I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the governor is one step closer to assuming full control of the State Department of Mental Health. We need the best people working with our mentally handicapped, the best people that we can get. And we just don't feel that giving this governor the authority to appoint the executive director would be in the best interest of the mental health division. We'll hear what both sides have to say. Then learn about a special day to celebrate one of Mississippi's top crops, trees. Plus, find out how you can hear the official fanfare celebrating the state's bicentennial. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Mississippi Senate is advancing a bill that would place the Department of Mental Health directly under the authority of the governor. The department is currently overseen by a nine-member board, which must include a physician, a psychiatrist, a clinical psychologist, and a social worker. Senate Bill 2567 would reduce the current governing board to only an advisory role. Senator Angela Hill, a Republican from Picayune, favors the bill. She says she has personally helped too many of her constituents deal with inefficiencies and even worse from the Department of Mental Health, as she tells our Desiree Fraser. Um, I've had tremendous amount of complaints um, throughout the last couple of years. I have traveled up here with parents whose children were in these programs who felt like the children were not being, uh, or young adults, um, adults, individuals, uh, mentally handicapped individuals were not being properly watched uh, in some of these community-based programs. Um, You know, things have happened that have been um, very detrimental to the individuals in the program. And so that's been my main concern has been with some of the contractors that are are handling these community-based programs. And my concern is for the individual. Uh, My concern is not about the politics. My concern is that... The danger and the problems that I see uh, with with maybe the mismanagement and, and the uh, lack of supervision that I've, that's been personally reported to me by people that I've known and trusted for many years, that is my greatest concern, and that, that basically prompted my support for the bill. You think uh, the governor could do a better job? I think somebody's going to have to do a better job because when we... When I truly feel like individuals or safety is at risk, um, I'm willing to try something different because, you know, the, the status quo is not working with these contractors in these community-based mental health programs um, with these individuals. And I've got too many uh, handwritten, documented uh, 
evidentiary cases of folks that have come to me that um, know me and they know that I know that what they bring to me is truthful. Um, and we have worked, tried to work through the Department of Mental Health, through the Attorney General's office. Um, even now, we're, I'm trying to work through the, the Medicaid fraud department because some of this is actual Medicaid fraud where some of the, the contract workers are supposed to be with the individuals and then they wind up being somewhere else and they're not with the individuals or they're not following the, the protocol of what the Department of Mental Health guidelines say that they have to be doing while they're with the individuals. So that is my primary concern. I want these individuals taken care of. I know people that have worked in mental health for over 25 years that have taken every training course, that know the laws back and forth, that know the protocol, that have actually been fired from some of these agencies for making reports to supervisors saying this is not being followed correctly, these individuals are not being taken care of properly, somebody's got to be accountable for this. Isn't the Department of Mental Health accountable? What do they say when you talk to them? Well, the answers that I've gotten is because, well, there's not a lot of contractors in line to do this because of the pay. But, you know, that still is not an excuse for a contractor not fulfilling the obligations and, and making sure that the individuals under their care are safe. Do you think this will help the lawsuit that you have with the Department of Justice? I think it should help it. And, and my concern, like I said on the floor, is with some of the situations in the community-based mental health programs where individuals are out in the community, I think some of the situations that have already taken place and that the potential, if things do not change, is going to put us in more uh, jeopardy with the U.S. Justice Department. I want to see the individuals taken care of. Um, that's my main concern. What do you think the governor can do about this? I think the governor can take ownership and, and potentially either meet with these contractors and say, look, these, this, this, and this has been reported to us and documented, and this either needs to be handled immediately or we're going to find another contractor. And if it takes more state money to find another contractor, then that's what we need to do. But we need the best people working with our mentally handicapped, the best people that we can get. Senator Angela Hill. Senator Barbara Blackman, a Democrat from Canton, does not support moving the mental health agency directly under the governor's authority, as she explains to Desiree Frazier. Well, I think it's misguided legislation. All of this legislation, the purported purpose is that it's going to save the state money. He could not indicate that there was going to be any savings from this. We are very concerned that we will go, we revert back to the cronyism to the 1960s and 70s where it was based upon who you knew getting a job. The mental health workers do a phenomenal job and the basic need of our citizens are being handled by them. They are not being compensated, especially the direct care workers. And we just don't feel that giving this governor the authority to appoint the executive director would be in the best interest of the mental health division. It is being run correctly. The board has oversight. They have hired great executive directors and we just think it's a mistake. 
that, you would do something like that. Is there a concern that folks could lose their job as a result? Under our bill, it still provides for personnel board protection. But as you know, when you go through this process and it comes back from conference, it could have them, that could be stripped. And so that's why when you see something, when you see a snake, you kill a snake. The Department of Justice is suing the state. Will this help putting it under the purview of the governor in your estimation? Uh, No, not at all. Um, There are at least, I believe, two suits related to mental health, one for youth and one for adults. And in the areas that I represent, we are putting people in jail who have mental health issues. And that should not be. And I just cannot see how this governor is going to make it better. We have cut mental health to the bare bones. And they're asking for a deficit appropriation now. So what we need to do is fully fund our agencies, give them the opportunity to fulfill their missions, and stop giving away this state to corporations through tax cuts. Senator Barbara Blackman with MPB's Desiree Frazier. We also heard from Senator Angela Hill. Senate Bill 2567 passed by just one vote. It had previously included the Department of Health and the Department of Rehabilitation Services as well, but those agencies were omitted from the bill in an amendment. It will now be sent to the House for consideration. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. In celebration of Arbor Day, Mississippians are encouraged to plant more trees during tree planting week, which starts today. Bill Kitchens is with the Mississippi Forestry Commission. He joins us to talk about Mississippi's $12 billion forestry industry and why it matters to every Mississippian. Here in Mississippi, we have about 19.8 million acres of forest land. Most of that, 70% of that, is uh, privately owned. And... Forestry here in Mississippi is a big industry. It has about a $12.7 billion economic impact in Mississippi's economy, representing about 70,000 jobs across the state. How so? What what are those jobs primarily? Well, they can be anything from far, from foresters, you know, loggers, to manufacturing, such as, you know, your lumber mills, uh, like that is what these uh, 70,000 How much of Mississippi's land is forested? It's 19.8 million acres. Do you know how forestry figures in as compared to agriculture? Forestry is usually the number one or number two agricultural commodity in the state. Um, Most of the time it's it's number two, only being beat beat out of the number one spot by poultry. And every once in a while, uh, soybeans or Something like that will beat it and put it in number three spot, but usually it's the, it's the number one or number two agricultural commodity at the state. What about recreation? How does forestry play a part in that? Well, you know, forestry, you know, hunting is a big business in Mississippi. The forest and managing our forest and all that plays a key role into uh, our recreation and to our, our hunting. You know, this, a lot of people come to Mississippi to hunt, and Mississippi's forests are they're healthy and thriving. 
and without a forest, you know, it just wouldn't, the recreation wouldn't be there because uh, the forest helps protect our waterways and watercourses from erosion. And not only that, but, you know, it helps protect our water resources, such as drinking water. You know, where does Jackson get his drinking water from? The Ross Warrant Reservoir, which is uh, comes from the Pearl River. So by leaving buffer strips on our forest when we harvest our timber along creeks and rivers, it filters the sediment out of our rivers and things before it ever gets in there. So having a healthy forest and following our best management practices and and good sound management practices like we do here in Mississippi, we have a thriving forest, a thriving economy, and therefore, you know, recreation. You know, look at the, in the summertime, the recreation we have on our streams and rivers, and, and even in the wintertime, our hunting and fishing. Are forests better left alone? Do they thrive okay on their own, or does there have to be some helping them along, like thinning forests and that sort of thing? And, you know, a forest is going to grow. It gets to a point where a forest is economically mature, and it's not growing anymore. And that forest, you know, it, it's done done all it's going to do. So by going in and harvesting uh, and then going back and replanting, we're keeping that forest rejuvenated. We're keeping it growing. We're keeping it uh, at a pace to where it's... Uh, growing where it should be and, and and when you're talking about thinning a forest you look at you go out there to look at a forest see if it needs thinning so you got to look at the soils look at the look at everything to see what you're doing out there it's not just a you know go out there short-term investment stick a tree in the ground you know look at the science <laughs> of it well and that brings us of course to today being arbor day can you tell us a little bit about arbor day and what it is exactly each state in the united states celebrates arbor day um, this has been going on for a while. It originally started in Nebraska, and I think now all 50 states have Arbor Day. It's celebrate planting trees. Well, even even before the United States planted trees, people were planting trees to celebrate, you know, things on military victories or uh, memorials and or in honor of uh, someone or in memory of someone. Uh, it's been going on for hundreds of years, but. Now, all 50 states have Arbor Day where they celebrate plant trees, and each Arbor Day is set up to coincide the optimal time to plant trees in that state. Well, here in Mississippi, it's Arbor Day is always the second Friday in February, which we're right in the middle of planting season here in Mississippi. So, which seems odd uh, when you think about, I'm sure, when there's a blizzard going on in the Northeast. <laughs> <laughs> They're not exactly planting trees right now. Right, right. Other states are not planting trees because, you know, there may be snow or maybe the ground's froze. So their optimal planting time may be a little earlier or maybe a little later than we are. But uh, but here in Mississippi, uh, we generally start planting trees uh, December and run through about the middle of uh, March. You have a special event scheduled today, at least for central Mississippi. Tell us about that. Right. Uh, we're celebrating a, a Mississippi's Arbor Day. It's going to be at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science from 10 to 12. Uh, we're going to have several state and federal agents, conservation agencies set up with tables or uh, giving out information on conservation and, you know, tree planting and, uh, you know, other stuff. Uh, there at the Science Museum, we're going to have a few trees to give away. There's a limited number of trees uh, that will be given away that day. And, you know, the Science Museum has an exhibit uh, there, Titanoboa, the monster snake. Uh, they have that exhibit going, and there is an admission prize to the museum. Uh, there'll be other things going on, like scuba feeding the fish, uh, hands-on activities for kids. There'll be a live animal program. Uh, we're going to have some wood magic science fair demos there. 
So and we'll be reading the proclamation for the governor's proclamation for Arbor Day. Gonna be a you know pretty good event this morning. Bill Kitchens is the outreach officer for the central region of the Mississippi Forestry Commission. Thanks so much, Bill, and happy Arbor Day. Thank you, and happy Arbor Day to you. Now, to see a statewide list of tree giveaways, visit the Mississippi Forestry Commission's website. It's www.mfc.ms.gov. Find out where you can hear the official Bicentennial Fanfare celebrating Mississippi's 200th year. That's coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Governor Andrew Longineau convinced the legislature that Mississippi needed a new Capitol building. Financed with $1 million of back taxes owed by the railroads and built on the site of the old state penitentiary, the project began. St. Louis architect Theodore Link borrowed from different classical traditions in his lavish Beaux-Arts design. For the rotunda, he combined black marble from upstate New York with beautiful white marble from Italy. The Senate and House chambers feature domes of bohemian stained glass. Link also used what was then a very modern element, hundreds of exposed electric light bulbs. The new Capitol opened on June 3, 1903. Today, it attracts visitors from all over, some to enjoy its architecture and some to get a sense of our state's history. If you haven't visited the state Capitol recently, do yourself a favor. Come see where history is made. This has been Mississippi, a thread through time. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A public address on the state of the arts in Mississippi, the premiere of the official Bicentennial Fanfare, and several other musical events are all part of the second annual Fanfare Festival sponsored by the Mississippi Chamber Music Guild. Board Chairman Royce Boyer joins us to talk about the Fanfare Festival and about honoring 200 years of statehood. Well, this is unusual, I think, for chamber guilds. Normally, you think of a string quartet playing in a nice parlor or some home or something like that. And that's certainly part of chamber music, and that's the way it started in the palaces of the 18th century where the uh, people could afford it and the public sometimes was invited in. But now it's a much more public uh, type of art form, and uh, we're trying to even make it more public. We're trying to interest uh, new listeners it's not stuffy music and uh, we've commissioned a, a piece or two and we have venues in different places that are a little unusual and uh, so we're still in our third year now so we're still experimenting a little bit with uh, what what goes well and what perhaps doesn't go so well and this pretty much kicks off a very big celebration this year the bicentennial that's right this is the second year for the fanfare celebration but it's a big one because it's the bicentennial fanfare festival the main well celebration i guess we can call it the part of the uh presentation is this saturday tell us what's going to happen on saturday well at one o'clock at the old capitol building beautiful place down on state street and capitol at the corner there uh we are meeting downstairs and the brass quintet from Mississippi College is going to play above us around the banister 
a commission fanfare that we commissioned of James Slaughter, a fine composer, taught at MC, and he's a he's a Mississippi one of the one of the best composers around. And uh, so we have a fanfare played, and then after we have that, we're going up into the house chamber, and we have a hour, hour and fifteen minute program planned for up there, which is centering. Uh, with Malcolm White, who's the executive director of the Mississippi Arts Commission, to deliver his State of the Arts in Mississippi. So those are the two high points. We have many other things, though, too. The fanfare has been composed, as you said, by James Slaughter. What constitutes a fanfare? You know, it's it's live and draws loud. your attention, <laughs> and it's short. This is 45 seconds long. That's long enough for a fanfare. And by the way, Karen, we are making the music available in the quartet, quintet form and also in a band arrangement for every school in the state of Mississippi during the bicentennial year. So we hope it'll be played before a football game when the marching band marches onto the field and, you know, use it wherever. But uh, it's a good piece for that. There are other events tied to this, including the Mobius Guitar Trio. Uh-huh. And some might wonder how a guitar trio fits into a fanfare festival. <laughs> Tell us a little well, about them. Well, we like to have an outside group. Uh, it's pretty notorious to beef up, you might say, our weekend. And uh, they're about number two uh, guitar ensemble in the country from San Francisco. They play both electric and acoustical. They're quite a broad, young group. Now, we're playing just uh, acoustical here. And uh, then they're playing a formal concert at St. Andrew's Cathedral Friday night. And almost all of their music is commissioned for them. A couple of the works they've written themselves. There are a couple of uh, composers I recognize, but it, they're, they're a wonderful listening group. And uh, we're excited to have them embellish, you might say, our local uh, groups that we have. The Mobius Guitar Trio is in concert tonight at St. Andrew's Episcopal Cathedral. Yes. How do you define, you suggested a little bit earlier that chamber music may not be what you think it is. So what is chamber music? Well, it's a small ensemble um, where you have one instrument on a part, and it doesn't exclude singers. There are many chamber pieces that have a singer, maybe three or four stringed instruments. So it's a small group. Even jazz combos are chamber music. Not a big band, but the combos, you know, have five, six, seven players. And that's chamber music. And in the broad sense nowadays, the Chamber Music America organization, which is our you know, our parent organization, there's a lot of jazz coverage in that. So uh, it's uh, interesting to see how it's grown and accepted uh, broad, uh, more ethnic forms and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's small. It's supposed to be played in a more intimate uh, situation. You get closer to the instruments, not like sitting in the back of a hall in an orchestra concert, which is wonderful. But you're right there. You can even look over the shoulders and see the music if you want to. And it doesn't have to be Baroque music. I always no, associate no, it no, with Baroque music no, for some uh, reason. <laughs> we've, our, our programming is from 18th century, Haydn, Mozart, early Beethoven, all the way to the present time. That's uh, the areas that we cover. For people to find out more um, about this bicentennial celebration, is there a website they can go to? There is. MSCMG.net. And you can buy tickets online. Everything's pretty much there. And we, uh, we're very proud of that website. My dad is pretty nice. Say it again. Uh, MSCMG, Mississippi Chamber Music Guild.net.
Wonderful. Royce Boyer is the chairman of the board for the Mississippi Chamber Music Guild. Royce, thank you very much. Thank you, Karen. Nice to be here. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's the Goodstock Gardener. Then at 10, next stop, Mississippi. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women. Did you miss part of the show today? Because you can find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app in any mobile store. I'm Karen Brown. Have a great weekend. I hope you'll join us again Monday morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition. It's only on MPB Think Radio.